Vincent Werbeck's Derby. I'm really excited about this evening. Uh, every so often we do something called Preach Mania, where we get uh, a number of different people to come and share on either a topic. Well, the last few ones have been a topic, and tonight we're going to be hearing four different people to finish our series on Philippians. If you're kind of new tonight, we've been going through a book in the Bible called Philippians, written by Paul. We've gone through it over ten weeks. It's just been a fantastic um, month and a half, really, of looking at that. And a number of the people speaking tonight haven't done this before, so it's, it's a big step out for them. Um, but we're, we're really excited about what they've got to say to us. So, Rach, if I could just invite you first of all to come and read our reading for us, please. Philippians 4, starting at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Okay. Exactly a year and a week ago, I came to church for the first time ever. From that day, I was a new person and have been on a journey with God ever since. That is a sentence that I definitely thought I'd never say. I have basically learned over this time that it's not easy being a Christian. And when you decide to do a Christian internship for a year, your non-Christian family and friends might think you've gone a bit insane. When we decide to follow Jesus, our problems don't just vanish. I can't remember if I thought they would do, but I do know that I have definitely cried more times in public this last year than throughout my whole childhood. Jesus has opened me up. He's helped me to stop ignoring my problems. And if that means I'm going to get upset, then that means I'm going to get upset. I need to keep pushing through the hard days and learn that it's okay to not be okay. I can be content in this because I know it won't always be this way. And I know that I'm working towards where Jesus wants me to be. The worldly view is that it's weak, embarrassing, or kind of awkward to get upset in public. People tell us to push things down and to deal with what's bothering us at a more appropriate time. But the truth is that people so often don't deal with things when they are told this. Philippians 4 verse 14 says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. We should be opening up about what we don't feel content about. We should be talking to others. The first step to being content in our situations is to stop ignoring them. 
When we allow ourselves to get upset, it can so often feel like we've taken a step backwards, especially when it's not the first time we've got upset about it. Sometimes it can feel like we are giving it our all and are begging God for a breakthrough. We may want to forget about the past and be eager to see what God's plan for our life is. But to see this plan, we have to learn to be content, whatever the situation, just as Paul does in Philippians when he writes, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Jesus gives us strength in our darkest and weakest moments. If we, le- if we listen and lean on him in these times, he will definitely give us rest in that moment. In that present moment of pain, we can be content and feel peace because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, our pain can melt away. You may be thinking, and I've tried this and it doesn't work. I always end up feeling rubbish again. But when we have these moments of rest from our troubles with Jesus, he is showing a glimpse of what could be and what is to come. If we keep practicing leaning on him for our strength, then eventually we will learn to be content with anything we go through. If you aren't focusing on Jesus and resting with him, then you may not feel the strength we're promised. You may feel weak and like you want to just give up. This is... This is when we are more likely to turn to other answers. You may feel angry at God for not giving you peace. When we have suffered, we will likely feel hurt, confused, or let down, and definitely not content. People often run away from God in these times. We run to materialistic things that the world has told us will make us feel better. We believe that these are the answers to being content. Things like money, alcohol, holidays, social media, and relationships... The truth is that these things are just a distraction from pain we have suffered. They are not a long-term solution to to, to feeling content. We can't avoid things forever. So I pray that in your darkest moment, you will turn to Jesus instead of earthly things. I pray that you would see that he is the answer to being content, regardless of your wavering situations. He is our firm foundation, and in Jesus, peace is found. So as it says at the end of Philippians... The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What defines satisfaction um, is different for ye, for Paul, for the rest of the world. Is a new car, a new house, new job, things are great but are not the condition to which we should stand or find satisfaction in. The short-term freedom that we get from all these things only rearranges the property of our prison. Unless Jesus comes and opens the doors of your freedom, you constantly seek these things continuously. Paul, Paul finds his satisfaction in Christ. When we look at verse Philippians 4.18, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I wonder, is it the doing of all things that we want or is it Christ that we really seek? Do we really seek Christ 
in that verse, or we want the ability to be able to do all things. And Matthew, Matthew 6, 32 to 34 says, seek, seek, seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will, given, will be given to you. And these things that our kingdom are peace, joy, and righteousness. And they are not things that we are best on condition. The peace of God has no circumstances aligned to it. Whatever circumstance, in, in hunger, or oh, he has everything he has, he needs, he still has learned how to live that life of full satisfaction and full content. But how, how are we able to do this? How can, I, how can I live a life when society says otherwise? This completely redefines our way of living. Through scripture, Jesus comes and redefines the way society lives. So whether, whether we have it or we don't, but because in those troubles, that's where Christ is. We find our peace, we find our joy. Philippians 4:10 to 23. Paul is happy that the Philippian church have given to him the gifts once again, and they're concerned about him. But he doesn't want them to get carried away that he, they, their gifts are doing something to him. Because it's, it's not the, the, gift are import, the gifts are important, and he really appreciates them. But he doesn't want them to get carried away in the gifts. Because it is Christ that is making him be able to go on, being able to save people. In verse 11 to 14, he is grateful. Yes, he doesn't want to cause a misunderstanding because if, if he had best years standing on God on this gift, the time they were not able to give this gift, he could have failed. He doesn't share, he doesn't share his gratitude to the Philippians about, about the gift being good, so that he gets more gifts, because that's not what he wants. He says in the passage that my desire is so that you guys can get a blessing from God because of what he have given. Because God is the one that gives out of the riches of his glory. It is also important to note that Paul actually mentions at the end, why does he put the name Caesar's household in the passage? Why is it so important when he had already mentioned that all my brothers and sisters here sends their greetings? These are the same people that are putting him to jail, but they are getting saved. And it leads me to think, so how easy is it for us in our troubles in thing when things are not going well when we're seeking to fill that void that we were created for by other things how easy is it, is it for us to share the gospel in full satisfaction that allows us to question to, that allows people to question 
What is it in you that makes you happy even things are not going on with you? It gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. Thank you. Which way are you running? Contentment can be a difficult pursuit to achieve. We are constantly chasing after what we think will make us happy, yet come up short when our destination leaves us less happy than before. Fueled by our discontent for the things we thought would satisfy us, a new car, a new house, a new phone, a holiday, we are always on the move and always looking for something more. Now, in Philippians, we see Paul hunger after Jesus, even within the circumstances he was facing. If we look at Philippians 10, 11, it reads, I am not saying this in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The efficiency of Christ's strength is something that Paul is affirming here. Paul learned to be content, learned it from experience. He knew what it was like to need, but he also knew what it was like to have plenty. To learn this, he had to go through it. And who was it that pulled him through it? Jesus. And we can see the confirmation of this in Philippians 4, 13, which reads, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul is prepared to endure all that this life has to offer him, whatever the circumstances, because of Jesus, because Jesus willed and empowered him to do so. Philippians is seen as the happiest book of the Bible, yet it was written in prison. A bit ironic, but it shows us that our circumstances, like Paul's, does not determine our joy. Now, our circumstances can be difficult. There can be times when we don't necessarily believe we can be joyful. When storms of life rock hard and we're being hit by waves of hurt, of pain, of uncertainty. But like Paul, we can be content in these hard times, in these situations, because of Christ. I recently had the privilege to go on the youth weekend away and Dan Dark spoke about the Holy Spirit which was the focus for the weekend and something he had said stuck with me which was the disciples success was through the Holy Spirit. It's about belief. We need to truly lay down our fear, our doubts and baggage and just trust and believe. I think Paul showed just this. He was a true disciple of Jesus and had strong belief that he would be pulled through his circumstances. He laid everything down, trusted, and believed. It's about saying, like Paul, I can do this. I can stand firm, keep my joy, and be filled with God's peace, because he is the one who gives me strength. Believing and trusting that God is good and faithful in the hard times, even now, is something I struggle with. Personally, I found the past few months really challenging, which led me to bring a lot of questions before God and regretfully doubt his goodness and faithfulness in aspects of my life, past and present. The doubt I felt made me belittle his love for me, which in turn led all these questions I had to push me further away from him. The questions I posed made me feel less and less worthy to be loved by him because I kept thinking, I shouldn't be questioning him on this. He won't love me if I ask him this. But someone once said to me, God meets us in that openness. Keep on pursuing him and never be afraid to ask him hard questions. They aren't the obstacle to faith. They might just be the way into a deeper relationship with him. 
but I'm hopeful that like Paul, clinging on to the strength found in Jesus will carry me and you through the seasons of struggle, of doubt, of the hard times we have all faced or come to face. Which way are you running? The question I posed right at the beginning of this preach is something I feel I took from this letter from Paul during the difficult times he endured. I believe we can run away from God or run towards him in our struggles, in our discontentment. And I think we can see Paul chose to run towards God, whatever his circumstances. Now, I bet you are all thinking, well, Alice, how do we run towards Jesus through the bad, through the pain, through the hurt? Philippians 4.14 reads, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. We can run towards Jesus with the help of others, with those we love and trust, and amongst that, inviting the Holy Spirit to be there each and every step of the way. Now we can see Paul's contentment is steadfast in Christ, but he appreciates the support from others when he was in great need. It was a bonus. Being content in all used for our good turned into joy but only if we choose to believe it and trust in him my question to you is are you running towards otherworldly things to try and fill this content-shaped hole or are you running towards Jesus to replace the contentment you long for with a hole perfectly shaped for him to fit into Oi, oi, good evening. Um, I was reading this passage, actually before I was asked to speak on it, and um, when I was looking back over it, the, the verse that stood out to me the most was verse 12, where it says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I don't know if that's the, ver- the version that we had, but I have learned the secret. And I thought, what's the secret? I need the goss. I need the recipe for happiness. It's like I've got a severe case of God FOMO, or um, a new word that I've coined, which is go FOMO. Um, and we read on, and Paul, he, he describes the secret. And he says, um, he says how, he, how he can endure all things that he's had to endure, all the good and all the bad. He can withstand all of it through Christ who gives him strength. Now, that verse um, is usually uh, a throwaway line that we give in prayer ministry, and uh, you get in like greeting cards or when things are going hard, you just chuck in that verse. Um, but, but I thought, well, okay, we know it's Jesus who, who gives him strength, but, but how does he get stronger? How does Jesus do it? What, um, yeah, how, how do I be content? It's not enough just reading it for me. Um, and I want to thank Gav Murray and uh, John Mark Comer for uh, a lot of my pirated content that I'm talking on. Um, uh, but, but being content is defined as being in a state of peaceful happiness, satisfied. I think it's a feeling of coming home or being told that everything is okay. You don't need to worry. It's all in control. When we're not content, there's a certain amount of restlessness. It's like when I remember that I've forgotten a good friend's birthday, um, or I have forgot to set my alarm and I arrive late somewhere, which has happened. Um, and as, as Alice said, and actually some of the guys said, it's, it's restlessness or discontent. 
only to find that after we've reached our goal, we have a whole new list of desires that, that come running towards us. Um, and, and this quote is from uh, John Mark Comer. The, unfortunately, we missed a, a contentment puppy. Actually, Dan, could you put... There we go. That's a contentment puppy. That's the feeling that you want. Um, but the, the, the quote is, uh, desire is infinite. And only God is the solution to that problem. Desire is infinite. And only God is the solution to that problem. So I can find contentment in my life through Christ who gives me strength. And we're only at home and find rest in God. So the secret strength, I believe, is rest for our souls. Augustine of Hippo writes, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest or movement in order to relax, sleep, or recover strength. And another word that we have for rest is Sabbath. Stop. Rest. And we know that God rested on the seventh day uh, when he created the world. And he orders us to do the same. He says uh, he knows that it's good for us. And it's one of the few, the, the few things in that creation story. I think it's the only thing, actually, that he said was holy, was the day that he rested. And so usually Sunday, for most of us, might be the day that we think is the Sabbath. We come to church in the morning, we get a Sunday roast, uh, and then we rest in the evening. Except if you work for church, that's then the busiest day of the week. Um, or if you do a number of other jobs on the weekend... You work in retail or restaurants or supermarket or you have shift work or you uh, have to get a presentation ready for the next day or you have to go and travel to a hotel to go for a meeting on Monday morning with a customer and and the list goes on. And um, there aren't any rules about anchoring the Sabbath to a specific day. Uh, And actually, I think it's important for all of us to work out which day will work best for us. Um, although in the Bible it does have something to say about it all being on the same day. Um, but you can read more into that. Um, and it will look different from person to person. It will look different from me than it will to a single mum with five kids. That's just the reality. And I think that's where the church comes in to come alongside people and to help each other in those situations. So um, observing the Sabbath is so important that God ranked it number four in the list of commandments. And... It's so important because it's so hugely beneficial to our relationship with God, to our relationship with our friends and families, and for our own mental health. The Sabbath is more than a day, but it's not less. The goal is to become more of a lifestyle of rest, but to start with, planning in that day is probably a good place to start. I um, one day thought that I used to rest well, and one of those things was watching 13 episodes of The Walking Dead in a day. That is not the Sabbath. That was not restful. I felt awful afterwards. Um, That's the way not to do it. But some best practices um, include lighting of candles or prayers of blessing, feasting, and there's a quote that I like, which is, eat the best and leave the rest. Uh, Usually, I've acted like a dustbin, and I eat everything. Now I'm learning. Uh, reading of scripture or poetry or liturgy or spiritual truths, singing, love making for the married couples, walking, napping, 
time with family and close friends uh, may be beneficial for extroverts, or time alone in the quiet for the introverts. And gratitude for what you have. Have an attitude of gratitude. And so my last question to you is, how is your soul? Are you stressed? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burdened? If you're not, I think you're probably doing Sabbath quite well. Um, And God recognizes that we all need to spend time with him resting and having a holiday with him or a holy day. And doing things that bring us life. Um, The idea of Sabbath is is rest and worship. This is a quote from John Mark Comer. A day to intentionally feed your soul with beauty in order to prompt spontaneous awe, delight, wonder, gratitude, and joy in God's presence. It's all about how to spend time and to rest with God because when we rest in God, when we have that Sabbath, our anxieties go away because we realize that God is bigger than them. Things that seem like a block and and too big for us to handle, God is there with us in them and over them. And so I think that the secret that Paul was talking about was strength in Jesus, and I think that started with Sabbath. Amazing. Thank you so much. Just give a quick round of applause to all the people who shared.